Hello and welcome to Take My Advice. I'm not using it. My name is Ollie Henderson and this is the second consecutive week of a Future Work Life special. And today I'm going to be recalling a couple of recent newsletters, one of which talks about technological disruption and the other about imposter syndrome. If you enjoy this episode, please make sure you subscribe to the podcast and also check out my website, futureworklife.com, where you can find all the previous episodes and also links to all the newsletters I've written over the past year. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy. Future Work Life number 40, Lessons of Technological Disruption from Spotify and the Music Industry, written on May the 5th, 2021. Much like you're not supposed to have a favourite child, but I bet a few of you do, be honest, I'm sure you're not supposed to pick out your favourite podcast guest. That's how I feel about Will Page, though, my first guest on the new series of Take My Advice, I'm Not Using It, which launched at the beginning of May. Admittedly, this may be an example of recency effect, the tendency to remember the most recently presented information first, or maybe just that I got to indulge in a conversation with him about our mutual love of music. Either way, I'll apologise in advance, Will. I'm fickle when it comes to things like this, so the loving may only last a week. Our chat encompassed many of the subjects I'm most interested in, including, of course, music, as well as economics, technology and the future of work. As an economist, it seems that Will approaches all aspects of life with a healthy dose of analytical rigour. Take his decision to pick up a discarded copy of the FT on an Edinburgh bus in 2006, describing the newspaper as of a quality where the benefits exceed the cost. In current times, you might question which other publications might pass that threshold test. Still, in this case, it proved a good decision, leading to him getting his first role as chief economist in the music business for PRS, the Performing Rights Society. He approached this new role as he would later at Spotify with a first principles approach. How could he challenge the music industry's assumptions about monetizing creativity? And how could technology prove an enabler rather than a risk at a time when piracy was still rampant? Taking this perspective, Will analyzes how the lessons learned by the music business can help other industries in the face of technological disruption. Here are three key takeaways from our discussion. Builders and farmers. Technology companies and indeed any business looking to scale require an ever-evolving combination of skills. What's needed to get a business started is very different to a mature one as it consolidates its position in the market. For example, it's often true that the qualities required to found a business don't always lend themselves to the grown-up scale-up stage. In Will Page's words, your typical founder is a builder, and there comes a point when a business needs farmers. Characteristics of a builder include a propensity to experiment and a willingness to take risks. Builders are more comfortable dealing with uncertainty, and for this reason are better suited to the early, more unpredictable stage of a business. On the other hand, farmers work better when the rules have been established and the business model verified. When it comes to measurements of success, they rely on traditional metrics and preferably sustainable financials in which marginal revenue exceeds marginal costs. They'll certainly be more comfortable with the more structured career development path. Rarely, however, are people able to bridge both. Spotify founder and CEO Daniel Ek, though, is one of the exceptional entrepreneurs of our time. And uniquely, he's achieved this by surrounding himself with the right team and playing to his strengths. In the process, he's successfully navigated the journey from startup to category leader, most recently by building a podcast business while farming the more mature music business. Whether you're a builder or a farmer is likely to determine within which environment you're most likely to thrive. Have you thought about where you naturally fit and whether this has influenced your career choices? Jobs that combine two things for the first time. 
Now, you're likely familiar with the concept that creativity often stems from combining two ideas that have never previously met one another. If not, have a read of my newsletter, Strange Dreams and Creative Things, which I link to in the show notes. I've also written in the past about how this concept relates to work. Niching down on an area in which you specialise increases your economic value. Will Page's story is an excellent example of this. As a music-loving economist, he was desperate to find a role in the business. However, while lawyers and marketers were much in demand by record labels at that time, there was no understanding of the role an economist could play. Partly through luck, although I'd suggest primarily persistence, he persuaded the CEO of the PRS that an economist was the very piece missing from an industry that was struggling to understand how to reimagine the way to price a music catalogue. When you consider how Spotify has redefined the monetization of music, it seems obvious in hindsight that someone trained in economic theory would be valuable, but it wasn't back then. My point? If we constrain ourselves to think about work only through the current lens, it's impossible to provoke change. There's plenty of evidence that cognitive diversity contributes towards more successful companies, and we can apply that principle to job titles themselves. Think beyond the obvious job titles we've always used and consider what skills and expertise would help give us a new perspective on the old challenges. From a personal point of view, consider where your unique skills and interests overlap. How could that help businesses in ways they haven't yet conceived? Consumption over transactions. The shift from primarily physical record sales to digital streaming is a case study in the growing importance of consumption data over transactional data and an example of how technology and data can help create more value for customers. As Will explains, when Spotify launched in the UK in the summer of 2009, music pivoted from measuring transactions, CDs sold across the counter, to tracking its actual consumption, not just the music being streamed in a device, time of day and source of those streams. No longer did we put a record out on the physical shelf to see if demand drives sales, rather we made it accessible on a digital shelf and learned how it was consumed, end quote. As Will argues in a recent article titled, When the Ideas in Our Heads Are Worth More Than the Roofs Above Them for the London School of Economics, we can see this trend in multiple industries. In health and fitness, belonging to a gym doesn't mean that you went to the gym today. In transport, car sales last month do not tell you how many cars are on the road and how often they're being used. And in the housing market, knowing how people are living is more valuable than property prices. You can apply the same logic to our relationship with work. What tells you more? How many hours somebody spent working or their contribution to customer success and business growth? Much like other forms of intellectual property, it is perhaps harder to measure, but we have to start somewhere and look for success stories like Spotify for inspiration. Future work life number 41. Turning imposter syndrome into a positive. Written on May the 16th, 2021. How often do you experience imposter syndrome? Over the past 15 months, I've purposefully forced myself out of my comfort zone, repeatedly attempting new challenges in which I have no background and arguably no qualifications. Or at least that's why I convinced myself. That seed of doubt which lingers inside us can potentially be crippling and prevent us from progressing in our career and making positive decisions about work and life. However, the reality is that most of us suffer from something similar, in particular when we're trying something new or attempting something unproven. So first things first, it's worth taking a step back and putting these thoughts into perspective because you're not alone. I'm fortunate enough to meet some incredibly bright and successful people, both as part of my day job and through my podcast. What's reassuring is the honesty with which many of these folks approach subjects like imposter syndrome, not with a sense of denial, but rather a realistic perspective 
that breeds humility and an appreciation of how others can support our ambitions. Take Glenn Elliott, my recent podcast guest, for example. You might think that selling your business multiple times for a combined value of over half a billion pounds would be enough to reassure you of your capabilities and standing in the world of business. Yet, Glenn told me he experiences imposter syndrome every day, no more so than when he was recently asked to mentor a team of young executives at the private equity firm for which he's now entrepreneur in residence. He spent the next week Googling tips for mentors. However, he also explained that imposter syndrome isn't incompatible with the vision and drive required by successful entrepreneurs. It wasn't that he ever doubted that the market needed a new solution, nor that his business, Reward Gateway, provided it. He was just arguably too aware of his limitations, which tempered any overconfidence. In Alive at Work, Dan Cable discussed the concept of humble leadership, which works by recognising that no one's perfect and that the only path to success is through experimentation, learning, failing and improving. Cable writes about a study conducted by David Heckman at the University of Colorado in which Following in-depth interviews with leaders from a variety of contexts, they found that when leaders express feelings of uncertainty and humility and share their own developmental journeys, they end up encouraging a learning mindset in others. Why is learning so important in this case? Well, if you accept that you're always learning, it makes the failing not just acceptable, but necessary. The idea of failing fast has become a bit of a cliche, particularly in software development, but the reality is that most companies have a fear of failure. Given how quickly the world of work changes, this is both unrealistic and unsustainable. When I suggested to Glenn that he must have developed a trusted environment and close-knit team to be occasion to occasionally fail and accept that it's not always possible to get it right the first time, he went further. It's not even failing occasionally, it's failing regularly, he said. If you're only failing occasionally, you're not being that innovative. Innovation, by definition, has to have a significant chance of failure. Otherwise, it's just something that someone else has done. It's not innovative. And it's not just about product, it's about sales. The truth is no one knows perfectly how to do B2B sales. Everyone's got to find out the right way to sell in the market in their context at this moment this year. That is a process of constant iteration and trying things out. When I look at successful sales teams, they haven't got some absolute genius, some sales mastermind at the top of them. They've actually normally got a really great open leader who encourages lots of experimentation and who supports people. And they've got really great open communication and a very low ego. That's what makes them great. During periods of uncertainty and rapid change, these behaviours encourage both leaders and followers to be more receptive to new ideas and adaptable to external factors, all of which contributes towards a creative culture that engenders psychological safety and innovation. So next time you experience imposter syndrome, consider flipping that feeling around because it's possible it can act as a positive catalyst, providing an incentive to learn quickly and some additional motivation to succeed. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you again here next week.